when Cameron and I prepare these messages and we decide our schedule, this is one of the ones that I wanted to teach. And the reason why I wanted to teach it is because I struggle with it. It's not because I perfected it. It's because I struggle with it. And I'm sure that you guys are out there are just like me, that this is one of those things that you kind of kind of maybe struggle with a bit. It's about being interrupted. Now, I'm sure some of you out there have been interrupted before, right? I was going to have something really like, interesting happen, like interrupt what I was doing, but then I thought, you know, I'll just tell you about it. It's all good. So anyway, no one likes to be interrupted. This is for sure. I think if most of us could, what we would do is we would walk around life with a do not disturb sign around our necks. We would be like, don't come near me. I'm busy. I'm being productive. Don't talk to me or just keep your distance. So, you know, the thing is, we've all had interruptions. Like, we've all had that, that time where you sit down to dinner, and that phone rings, and it's a salesperson. They're trying to sell you a bathroom remodel, shower, you know, stall type thing. And we're like, really? That was such an interruption of my time, you know? We've all been interrupted by someone when we're trying to talk. Have you ever had a conversation with someone? You're trying to explain something, and somebody comes in and interrupts, and they're like, thanks. I was just getting to my point right then. And we've definitely all been interrupted when we've tried to sleep in, right? Just wake someone up on their first day of vacation one time and see how well they like it. (laughs) They don't. You know, I very rarely get to sleep in, but if it happens once in a blue moon that I get to sleep in for a little bit, and when I say sleep in, I'm still like, it's like seven because I'm a pretty early riser. But when I have my dogs get up and they, you know, they have their nose right in my face in the morning or my dog tends to just jump up in the bed real fast even though she's never allowed in the bed. She jumps up and I'm always afraid she's going to get me in the eye with her claw. So, you know, of course, it's never a good morning morning when it starts like that. You're always like, thanks for interrupting my sleep. But we all know that interruptions are very frustrating. If you have kids, you totally know what interruptions are, Right? I mean, when you decide to have children, you're basically deciding to be interrupted the very rest of your life. I mean, even today, I can tell you, even with a 31 and 34-year-old, if John and I sit down, you know, the phone rings, it could be our kids still, and we're still interrupted. We'll look at each other sometimes, we'll just sit down, and then somebody will call, and I'm like, it's interruptions. It's just part of what life happens, you know, with interruptions. I mean, I'm sure if some of you out there, probably, if you have kids, you're still waiting to have a conversation that you wanted to have with your spouse for weeks, and you still haven't had it. My daughter and I will spend a whole day together sometimes, and I'll be leaving, and I'll say goodbye. I'm like, you know, I don't even think we even talked. It was just constant interruptions dealing with kids, and, you know, those are the things that happen in life. And I'm sure if there's some of you out there, you've had that moment if you've had children where you sat down and all went to have dinner, and you had that proverbial spilt milk moment, where everything just gets calm, and you're like excited, tell me about your day, and then someone goes, well, my day was great, and then the milk goes flying everywhere, and the whole dinner is interrupted, and everything comes to a screeching you know, halt at that moment. How about sleep? Like I said, forget it. Uninterrupted sleep is a vague memory once you have children. Even to the day now, like I said, my kids are older, I still sleep so lightly that my sleep is so easily interrupted. Because, you know, we get that little mom and dad hearing. We can start to hear things that we never thought we could hear. Used to be that a lot of people, they say, like, I could sleep through anything. You start having kids, 
you're just done. You just, for some reason, God just switches something inside you. Like, you're forever a light sleeper because you have to see if something's wrong, right? And if you've ever tried to get work done at home, forget it. It just doesn't work. You can try to be productive, but you're always going to have interruptions. I wanted you guys to take a quick look at a little video here. Democracy. Scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift, shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. <laughs> What is this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited. It's funny because you can still hear the kids just wailing in the background. If you notice, the, the poor little kid got drug along with that walker, probably pinched a few fingers. And if you noticed really close, the mom actually must have been using the restroom because she comes in with her pants are actually unbuttoned. So she probably was like, oh, my gosh, the kids are in there. And her, he's being interviewed for BBC on live television. So it's, it's quite an interruption if you think about that. So. But we don't like to be interrupted. There's something inside of us that really feels a little bit like maybe we're more important. We don't really like, don't interrupt me in what my plans were. Truth is, we do have strict schedules. We have places to go, people to see. We have all these things that we have to accomplish. And we don't like to be stopped, let alone slowed down. We like to accomplish. You're a person that like, tries to live by the clock, maybe knows that you have to get certain things done. You don't really appreciate those moments when something comes in and takes some of our time away. I think what it is is we don't like in our minds to think, you're interfering with me. You're interfering with what I had planned to do. And I guess at this moment, I should really uh, confess to you that I do not handle interruptions well. I'm not good at it. I, I say there's a reason why when God says he puts two together, they become one. Um, John can handle any interruption. He is just never, ever, nothing just, it just goes right off of him. No big deal. Whereas I don't handle it well. I don't roll with the punches. <laughs> I don't do that very well. You know, when it says, when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade, I do not. I just squish those lemons and complain about them the whole time, you know? I don't do well with the interruptions. Yet that's what life is, isn't it? Life is about interruptions. It's what's, what's going to take place in our life. It's what you're going to experience. And we can't possibly imagine that everything that we thought was going to happen in a day was going to happen exactly the way we intended it to happen all day long. You can't get away from those interruptions. Now, I can try to do, maybe you do the same. Maybe you try to avoid them. You know, maybe you try to, maybe when the phone rings, you don't answer it. Because I totally believe that phones are options. I do not believe that every time that phone rings that you have to get the phone. I don't care if somebody, like, is calling me to sell me something. I don't need to know. It's like, I don't care. My husband believes that every phone call has to be answered. That's where we differ also, whereas I do not. As a matter of fact, most of the time my phone is on silent. I, I very rarely have my phone on where it rings. Um, that's why I got this. 
because I forget my phone, my phone everywhere. So I thought, you know, I better get an iWatch because, you know, I never have my phone on me. So if somebody has to get a hold of me, they can. Plus, I'm getting to the age now. If I fall down, man, I need to call 911. <laughs> so you start to think like that after 50, guys. You really totally do. You're actually like, what if I fall down the stairs? 911. It can happen. So maybe you avoid them like me. Or maybe you do what I do when it's time to go to sleep at night. I put in earplugs. I'm an expert at putting earplugs in, guys. It takes a while. It's a learning curve. It really is. There's a learning curve on that. You know, you have to learn how to put your hand over your head and open your ear and put them in. and Everything goes away at that moment. So at this moment in my life, I have decided that even though I do have mother hearing, I let John have father hearing instead, (laughs) and I just sleep because I'm such a light sleeper. Or maybe you just kind of handle things when you're interrupted, you handle them really quickly. Maybe not with the best attitude that you should. I do that. So when I started to read about interruptions and I started to read about Jesus and his life of interruptions, I was totally convicted I was totally convicted because I realized how flawed of a human being I still am. I mean, you know, we all know that we're imperfect, right? I mean, none of us are walking around perfect. The only one that ever did was Jesus. And we can see through his, his interruptions that he experienced that he really was so perfect. He handled things so well. He was a champ in handling interruptions. He not only put up with them, listened to them, paid attention to them, but he welcomed them. He welcomed every interruption that came into his path. He was never like, no, no, I'm too busy. It's about me and my experience and what I'm doing right now. It was always like whatever interruption came, he was welcoming to them. If you take the story of Matthew 14, this experience where Jesus found out that John the Baptist was beheaded. John the Baptist was his cousin. It was a good friend. It was somebody that he really cared about and loved. When he heard this, he was devastated. He was devastated beyond belief to know that somebody could do such a horrible thing to someone that he loved. So what he does is he gets into a boat and he says, I'm going to go away for a little bit. I'm going to have a moment to myself just to reflect and maybe to mourn. But in Matthew 14, 13 and 14, it says, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot for many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus was getting away to mourn, and he was interrupted. It says when he looked at the shore, he glimpsed all these people that were in need. And I think that's so convicting. Because we would understand, if we, each of us experienced something so horrible, if we came upon a whole bunch of people that needed our help at that moment, what we would do is we would say, listen, guys, I'd love to help you right now. But you don't understand, I'm going through deep, deep grief. I don't know if I can give you anything right now because I'm so in pain and hurt of what I'm going through. And that would sound so totally acceptable in our society, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, take a moment. But we see that wasn't Jesus' heart at all. Jesus immediately put aside himself and ministered to others, even in that grief. He didn't have frustration He had compassion. And I think that's where we lack sometimes. We make it more about us than we do about them. 
We have a way of always thinking about in our heads how this is making me feel. How late am I going to be? If I help you, how behind am I going to get? And Jesus completely put away his own feelings and made it all about the others. He always models for us this selfless behavior, and that's exactly what he expects from us. He says it's a continual growth from the time we become knowing of him and what he's done for us that we constantly put ourselves aside and we always reach out to others. And I think that we all struggle with that idea. We all struggle because we like to always be about us. It's like what I need to do, how I feel. And I think sometimes we got to get out of our heads and think about making other people feel a certain way instead of worrying about how we feel. I think when we read Jesus' accounts, you can see that this is a man who lived a life of interruptions. I mean, it is just one after another after another are interruptions. There's one day in Jesus' life that the Bible explains. One day that he is interrupted six times. It's one right after another after another. Now, I don't know about you, but I had somebody pull out in front of me today on my way here. And it literally slowed me down to probably all of like, you know, one mile per hour. Yet I was like, and you couldn't just wait. There's no one behind me. I told you I struggle with interruptions. But, you know, Jesus handled them so well. And like I said, it's so convicting. It's so challenging to us. This is why when we tell you guys, we're like, read the Bible. It's not because we're just going to get a gold star, you know, hey, it's because that's where you're going to learn those little life lessons. Those little intricacies that you see as you read God's word that you start to notice and you think, wow, I'm flawed there. I don't do so well there. I need to change there. So I was actually going to tell you these interruptions, but I really felt like there was something kind of lost in translation if I did that. I really thought if I tell you about these interruptions, they're going to kind of seem disjointed. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to read to you straight through the interruptions that they have. So there's going to be a lot of scripture, and you're just going to have to try to follow along. But I want you to understand this is one day. Even though the chapter starts out in Mark 4, it continues in Mark 5. It's the same day. So I want to start reading this to you. It says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. 
For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant, near, distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen flew to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. The crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw a man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, and he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of the terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that that healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell to his knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, the messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitakum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. That's one day. Totally convicted me because I realized I spill something on my shirt and I act like the world is going to end. You know, Jesus had all these experiences over and over again of interruptions. He experienced his sleep being interrupted. He was sound asleep, I'm sure exhausted from the day before his ministry that he was doing. He was sound asleep, and he was 
jostled awake. Teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? So he was awoken. Then he had a man literally run up to him that was called Legion, that's filled with demons. Now, I don't know about your day, but that doesn't happen very much in my day. And he pretty much just did this. I'll handle it. He also had stinking pigs, 2,000 stinking pigs around him, was not phased at all. So he had all these experiences where he's constantly interrupted. He has that same man who was healed come up to him when he went to leave and say, can I go with you? He was interrupted as he was getting in the boat. Can I go with you? And he said, no, no, go back to your towns. Go tell them what I did for you, that I healed you. Then he experiences a, a man coming up to him and saying, my daughter is dying. My daughter is dying. And his mission is he's going to go take care of this situation. He's going to heal this young girl and bring her back and let her live. And in the midst of that, he has somebody come up and touch him. And he feels this healing power go out of him. Now, he didn't say, guys, I'm on a mission here to save a little girl's life. I don't know what you guys are doing, but clear out of my path. I've got to go. I've got to continue on. I've got to get to where I'm going because I'm going to heal a little girl. He instead, what he did is he come across this woman and he totally stopped. He totally stopped what his mission was at that moment because it's not only the fact that he healed somebody by them touching his robe, but it's because he wanted to speak to this woman and just give her hope. And then he had messengers who interrupted them as they spoke that said, don't bother yourself now, the little girl is dead. That's a day of interruptions, one day of Jesus' life filled with interruptions. Like I said, we don't experience anything compared to that. Yet our response a lot of times is, don't get in my way. I don't have time to help. I can't be bothered with that now. Guys, I'm trying to talk here. You've got to listen to me. We've got to get to the point where we understand that it's not just about us. God could be giving us so many different things that are going on in our life. They're really opportunities, you know. I had the thought, interruptions shouldn't be obstacles. What they should be is opportunities for us. You know, that's what we should think about. Interruptions are not obstacles. They're, they're opportunities that we have that we can look inside of ourselves and see how it is that we're responding, how it is that we're actually being selfless, how it is the fact that we are kind of so self-absorbed sometimes. You know, when Jesus woke up, he wasn't angry at people. Why would you wake me up? I was sleeping. I finally got a minute of rest. You know, it even says I don't have no place to sleep. I'm finally sleeping and you're going to wake me up? No, he didn't. He rebuked the wind, but he didn't rebuke the people for waking him up. He just says, where's your faith? Like I said, he wasn't phased at all when a demon-possessed man come running up to him. He didn't complain about the situation. He didn't say, oh, man, look at this guy. I can't stop. He's crazy. He'll probably kill me. I can't stop. He didn't do that. He never showed annoyance with one of the people that he came in contact with. Like I said, he never said to anybody, like, I'm on a mission to save a life here. Guys, go away. He didn't get angry or yell at the woman who slowed him down. What he did is he looked at her and he called her daughter. Daughter. 
daughter, your sins are forgiven, you're healed. How often are we so self-absorbed that we cannot get out of our heads and just offer some hope to someone, some joy that we could give them? Somehow we've gotten this idea in our heads that our lives should go a certain particular way every day. And when interruptions come, they don't belong there. But we need to understand that interruptions are our lives, guys. That's what's going to take place. Your interruptions are your life. It's not stopping your life and going to start again. That is your life. That's all what it encompasses. I was mentioning the fact that, you know, we, we used to go on these vacations and, you know, we, we would spend this time with our kids. We never had a lot of money. We never spent a lot of, you know, places, flying places. But we would take this, my mother and my father-in-law's motorhome, and we would go. And we'd go for a week with the kids. And we were always excited to head out. I remember one time we got from Troy Grove. And Troy Grove is seven miles away from Mendota. We got up to Mendota. We broke down. We never got any farther for our vacation. And I can tell you something, the vacations that went off smoothly and beautifully, I don't remember. But I remember the one that was broken down that we only got seven miles. I remember that one. You know why? Because that's, there's something that kind of those little hiccups in our life that we would call interruptions are actually one of those things that kind of like almost makes an imprint in us, in our memory. There's something there about them. We shouldn't constantly be so frustrated by them, we should almost welcome them when they happen. You know, Jesus handled these really big interruptions because it was his life. We have to understand that we have interruptions. It's our life. It's what we're going to go through. So our life is going to have those moments when you're caught in traffic, when you're late for something, when you can't get to somewhere that you thought you were going to be, when you go to take off and you have a flat tire. Where all of a sudden the car doesn't run. Or you go to do laundry and the laundry isn't working. You have to go to the laundromat. You know, maybe one day you get up and you think, man, I'm going to all day, I'm going to binge watch. This is us. And the internet doesn't work. (sighs) I know. Terrible, huh? Maybe God has something else for you to do that day. How about getting sick? You know, sometimes we're going to get sick at the most inopportune moments. You know, we're going to get sick. I can tell you our kids, I think we spent like five Christmases in a row that our kids were sick with the flu on the couch. You know, I remember bringing the gifts to them, still having the little bucket next to them. (laughs) But those are memories. Those are our life. That was life. That's real life. And what it is is it's part of our story. It's part of those things that you're going to share someday with someone. Ellen Saunders said it this way, life is what happens to us while we are making other plans. Isn't it? Yeah. C.S. Lewis recommended that Christians stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions as one's real life. He wrote, the truth is that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life. The life God is sending one day by day What one calls one's real life is a phantom of one's own imagination. Isn't it? We imagine the way that life should go. I think sometimes people are really upset about how their lives go because they have way bigger expectations. Shoot low, guys. You'll never be disappointed. (laughs) 
I'm joking. I'm joking. You should have hope for your life. I'm just joking. But we do need to understand that interruptions are not obstacles. They're opportunities when we come into contact with them. You know, I, I think a lot of times we don't understand that these interruptions, these little things that cause us to pause and stop and think, should I or shouldn't I? Should I do this? Should I shouldn't do How am I going to react? What am I going to do? Sometimes what they could be is actually divine. They could be divine appointments that we might not recognize at the moment. I read a story when I was preparing for this that there was a situation with this person. They were getting ready for work. Their alarm didn't go off. They were already flustered, already worried, didn't know what they were going to do because they were going to be so late. Went to take off on the road and started going down the highway, and they saw a guy broke down on the side of the road. This man decided, should I stop? Maybe I should. I don't know. Decided, okay, I'm going to go back. I'll stop, and I'll talk to this man. And when he got there, the man said, I just want to use your phone. And the man said, sure. So he called 911, and the man says, I just want to report a suicide. And the guy's looking around, and he says, and the guy said, it's mine. So the guy had an opportunity before the emergency people came to sit there and pray with this man, to pray with him and say that there's hope. There's joy that you haven't experienced yet. Right now, this is a temporary situation that you're going through, but God's got something more from you, for you. You know, if they would have just kept on their way, we don't know what would have happened. But, you know, sometimes we look at those things as interruptions, but they could be divine appointments for you. There could be something that you're supposed to stop and do, someone you're supposed to, to say something to. Sometimes when we walk down the streets, just the idea that you, came, you come into contact with someone and you smile and they're not invisible. Because this world, man, we are so bad at that. We let people walk by us all the time without smiling, without saying hello. There's some people, guys, that have never been talked to all week. They never had one person come up to them and act like they were valuable or even visible. The fact that you can say hello, the fact that you can smile at them and tell them that they matter, it's just all about others. That's what we're supposed to do. Stretch ourselves to look out instead of always in. But these interruptions are lessons in life. What they are is opportunities to teach us to look beyond ourselves like Jesus did. It's not just about us. It's about this world that we come into contact with. If you're a follower of God, if you're a believer, when he says, this is the way, yes, it was the way. It was the way to God the Father through Jesus Christ is the way that you get there. But he was also saying, this is the way. Follow me and how I lived. This is the way you act. This is the way you respond to the world. This is the way you interact this is how you do it. It's also an opportunity a lot of times for us to have self-control. Because I think those hiccups and those interruptions sometimes really reveal how flawed we are still, like I said. You know, when something happens, do you fly off the handle? Do you start grumbling? Do you start complaining? Do you always be resentful of the people that interrupt I think sometimes what we do is we fly off the handle, but we don't even ask for prayer. We don't ask for prayer for people that we really find annoying. Sometimes people are really annoying in our life. They've interrupted us a lot of times. It seems like you can't work with them. 
but it kind of makes you stop and think, do I pray for them? Do I pray for these people? Also an opportunity to lay our own plans aside and let God have control. We believe we're in control. We're not in control. We're not in control of our lives. We like to pretend we are. I mean, I'm a, I'm a person that loves to plan everything. I know what I plan on doing this hour, this day, this month. I like to plan my year or years, if I can. I love to plan. Well, I'll tell you one thing. My life definitely, my, God has done a work in me for two years. Because I'll tell you, I did not plan on being out of my house for two years. So I think that God has a really good way of probably teaching us some things that we need to learn. And I think sometimes he takes us through some, some things that we think, you know, oh yeah, no problem. And you realize, I have a problem. I have a problem. I don't have near as much self-control as I should have. Proverbs 16.9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. When I taught youth ministry many years ago, still do, I've done youth ministry for about 14, 15 years now, and I still say it's my first love. But what I would teach the kids all the time is I would say, when we were going to plan on what we were going to do, I would say, Deo Valente, which means God willing. And so every time the kids would be doing something, they would actually repeat to me, DV, Deb, DV. And I'd like, that's right, DV, Deo Valente. You know, we have a way about ourselves that we love to plan. We love to plan. We like to think about life is going to go. It's going to go this way, this way. This person's going to say that. I'm going to say this. It's going to go that way. And then we're going to, the day is going to be over. I'm going to go to bed right in the perfect hour. It's all going to be perfect. It's God willing. God willing. He could have something totally different for you that day that you're supposed to have experienced. Are we willing to let him have control? Are we going to try to micromanage everything into a perfect little box of how we believe life should go? I can tell you this little box is going to be really boring. You're not going to have the excitement of having a demon-possessed man run up to you and pigs around you. You won't have any of those experiences. After a while, God will be like, this person doesn't respond. I'll let them have their boring mediocre, pitiful lives that go just the way they intended until the day they die. Opening yourselves up to God's will is a ride, man. It's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster and you're going to love it if you really get on it. I'm terrified of roller coasters. I do not go on them. I remember the first time we went to Disney World Remember, we went on the ride, and you know how they, they love to, like, make it fun for you as you go. And I was, like, excited. I'm like, okay, it's all dark in there, and I didn't know what I was getting into. And I remember saying to John, what is that thing that's flying up there? And he goes, that's the roller coaster. I'm like, what? I can't do this. I can't go. I was terrified. I got on it. I shut my eyes the whole entire time. I'll be honest with you. I still kind of like control freak. Um, but I got off, and I thought, that was a heck of a ride. That was fun. Do I want to do it again? No. But it was fun. It was fun. But following after God, man, it's exciting. It really is. It's exciting. 
You don't know what you're going to get into. Someday you might get up and, you know, somebody might say, call you up and say, I really need your help. Is it going to be about you? Or is it going to be about them? God could have this amazing blessing and you helping them. So the next time when something happens that's out of your control, realize that you aren't in control anyway. God is. God willing, you'll have a day of uninterruption. But God willing if you don't. God willing if you don't. God willing that you have interruptions all day that kind of lead you to the knowledge of how good God is and how much he trusts you with to help others. Notice those people around you that might need help. Look for opportunities to show compassion instead of frustration. You know, I think a lot of times it's really hard to see those things, but I can tell you when you get through them, a lot of times you look back and you think those are the the most frustrating, interrupting moments are some of the biggest memories you'll have at the end of your life. Join with me in prayer. Lord, help us. Help us to quit just thinking about us. Help us to see others in the way that you want us to see them. Help us to see those opportunities. Help us to see that face that looks crestfallen, that has nothing more. They, they, they're at the end of the rope. They have nothing. And help us to recognize it so that we can just be kind and loving and gentle and show compassion and, and offer up the healing that's through your way. I'm thankful, God, that you are so good to put up with so many times that we're just so self-absorbed. I just pray for each person that's here today, whether they suffer from this or they don't, I just pray that, Lord, you would give us those opportunities, those interruptions. Help us to recognize good things through them, that we wouldn't resent them. And, Lord, we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.